Good morning, everyone. Please open up your Bibles to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. It's been a joy for me to, to work on this. A great joy. And, uh, and that's because it was with Him. It was with Him. And He's been with me through all this. And I'm thankful for the, His help and His Word and changing my own life. And I hope to, to bring that also to you guys to express the knowledge and the glory of Christ to you. So, First Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Please join me in prayer. Dear Father God, God of all grace and of, of all mercy, Father, we come to you in thanksgiving for your word and for the grace which you've bestowed upon us through the blood of your Son, that we could be redeemed and sanctified and we could be purchased from our vain conversation, O Lord. We ask today, Lord, for you to open our hearts, to know you and to understand you and to walk with you. Lord, may your power of your spirit move in the midst of our hearts that we would be able to grasp and be moved by you and be affected and changed for your glory. Set us apart for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, for our last week, our first sermon was uh, our adoption operation. Our adoption operation. And the first aspect of that operation was our election through God the Father. And then the second was our sanctification through the Spirit, and then third was our redemption or justification through God the Son. And there we see the Trinity, the God Himself, three persons, the one triune being. And yet, here we are, now going over our living hope, our living hope from the adoption operation. And so notice here in verse 3 of First Peter, Blessed be the God and Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice here, after just going through verse 1 and verse 2 about our election and all these things and the grace which was given to us, instantly it's like a, an echo of Peter, a reflex from Peter's heart showing us what happened before, or he begins to say, blessed be the God and Father as an echo or a reflex from his heart to the things which... He just went that he naturally just begins to bless the Lord. And notice how he says, Blessed be the God and Father of who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this 
is a doxology, and which is to give praise to God. And so if we want to look at an Old Testament doxology, in Psalm 72, verse 18, you don't need to go there. It says, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. And so here we see God as being identified in the Old Testament as the God of Israel. And so here we see in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this New Testament doxology is expressed in accordance with the self-revelation the deity has made in the person of Jesus Christ. And so notice here also this blessing of the, of, to the Father is according to His abundant mercy. And it goes into our begotten, or it goes into us being begotten into our lively hope. And so this mercy is abundant. There is a general sense of mercy and there is a special, abundant overflowing of mercy that comes from God. And so when we look at the world today, we see that there is sin, there is evil, and yet there should be judgment. But yet God's richness of His mercy, there's a general mercy in which He is not judging everyone at the judgment right after their sin. And so there's that general sense of mercy. But there's an abundant mercy to those whom He has elected, those whom He has sanctified and separated to be His children. And that abundant mercy is for us the children of God, when we are begotten again. And so, when we are begotten again, what does it truly mean to be begotten again? What does it truly mean to be begotten again? And so, this brings us into our first point. The first aspect of our living hope is our regeneration to a living expectation. Our regeneration to a living expectation. And so, in 1 Peter chapter 3, or chapter 1 verse 3, we see, that the word begotten is mentioned here, begotten again. And in the Greek, is, it is pronounced as anaganao, and it, it means to produce again, or to be born again, born anew. Thirdly, to change the mind, so that one, the mind of one, so that he lives a new life, and one conformed to the will of God. And so, this word anaganao is also u- or used in verse 23, if you want to look at 1 Peter, verse 23. It says... Being born again on a ganao, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And so, if we want to go and see a deeper uh, meaning of what this born again process looks like, we must go to John chapter 3. So please join me in going to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. And notice that he came to Jesus by night. Why is he coming to him by night? Well, we see he is a Pharisee, a religious leader, probably a member of the Sanhedrin. And so we know that the the religious leaders were envious of Christ And they didn't want to identify themselves with Christ. But there was a curiosity beginning to build up in Nicodemus. And so he came, he came to Jesus by night. And it's not for sure whether he was not wanting to be seen in the daytime. But for instance, that's speculation. And maybe he came to Jesus by night because of this. And Nicodemus came at night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. 
For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And so here even Nicodemus is calling him teacher. There's an inward thing happening here. And Jesus answered and said unto him in verse 3, Verily, verily, notice how he says verily. It's very important what he's about to say. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so unless a man is born again, he can't even see the kingdom of God. And so what does it mean to see the kingdom of God? Well, if we look at the Greek word of this word see, it is pronounced as ido, and it means to know or become acquainted with, to know or become acquainted with. And so what does the connection with being born again have to do with the ability to know or become acquainted with the kingdom of God? So let's take a look, keep your hand in John chapter 3, but go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. And here we are going to take a deeper look at what it means to see the kingdom of God from the perspective and angle from someone who has already been born again, Paul himself. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written... I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by the Spirit, by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save or except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Verse 12, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. And listen to that, that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Only those who are born of God, filled with the Spirit, can spiritually discern what this is saying. And so now we know what it means to see the kingdom of God. It must this is why we must be born again, because only if we are filled with the Spirit, the Spirit can reveal that to us. And so, how does this initiation of the born-again experience take place? Well, if we go back to John chapter 3, verse 8, John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And so just as the wind blows where it wills, goes wherever it wishes, and you hear the sound of that wind, you hear it, but you cannot tell where it is going or where it's coming from, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit of God. And so it is not by the will of man, it is not by the flesh of man, but it is by the will of God. By the will of God. 
And so if we go to John chapter 3, look at verse 4 or verse 5 now. Jesus, or verse 4 I mean, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so, not only can we not see the kingdom of God unless we're born again, but we must be born again to enter into that kingdom. And so, what does it mean to be born of the water? Is it water baptismal regeneration? I know that there's some churches and other cults in the world today that preach that we must be baptized in water, and from being baptized in the water, that is a process of being born again. But my friends, that is not the truth. And here today, we are going to look at a couple of verses to show you why that is not the truth. In 1 Corinthians chapter, four, chapter 1, verse 14 you don't need to go there. It's a really short verse. I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. And this is Paul speaking. And so if baptism, baptism was in water was so necessary for our, being, or our salvation and being born again, then Paul himself would not take it lightly of only baptizing a few, but he would have been more serious to baptize all of them to make sure of their salvation. And not only this, we see in John chapter 4, verse 2, it says that through Jesus, Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. And so Jesus himself baptized not, but it was his disciples doing the, bapti or doing the baptizing. And so Jesus himself is the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world, and he himself was baptizing not. And so what is this water baptism? Water baptism is an outward sign or seal. It was an emblem, a sign of being of the born-again experience, that after that initiation of the Spirit indwelling you, you are then going to be baptized in water as a representation of dying with Christ and coming back up to newness of life and newness of life. And so how is water used throughout the book of John? How is water used throughout the book of John? Please go, stay in John chapter 3, but go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And so water is also being used in John chapter 4. And we can see that Jesus isn't speaking about literal water. Because this water becomes a well which springs up to everlasting life. And so if you want to go up a few chapters and see John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Verse 37, John chapter 7, verse 37. Jesus here is again using water figuratively. And the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And so again, it's not literal water flowing out of his bowels. It is literal, or it is figuratively used, water. And so, what does the water figure, figuratively mean in John chapter 3, in the use of being born again? 
It is being born of the Word of God. You see, water is in John chapter 3 being used as the instrument in which the Spirit produces through it. And so look here at John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so if we're going to look at water as an instrument, we can, use, we can look at it through this as if, say that, or we look back in the past and we see that God used holy men to write the Word of God. But it wasn't the literal hand of God using ink and paper to write on the Bible. But it was God using that man and it was inspired by God to make the Word of God. And so it is, this water is being used as an instrument, but the Spirit itself is, what is producing the internal work which we are receiving in this born-again experience. And so, when we be regenerated, from this regeneration, there is a faith that is in a, that is, which is an effect from the cause of regeneration or being born again. So once we are born again and regenerated, there is faith which is filled within us. And so turn with me, to Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Paul here says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how, th and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Esaias saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. By the word of God. And so about three weeks ago and two days, I was preaching to my brother. And my brother, I've preached him many times, and uh, he's always hard in his heart, and he was open to it. He, he listened to me, but he, would, he never took it seriously. But we went through that previous week, a trial, a very ser serious moment in our life. And uh, in that moment, when we got back, I began to just preach, out, preach to him outside of my house on the sidewalk. And uh, as I was preaching to him, I began to see that there was something happening in his mind. I saw there was some war beginning to happen in his mind. And so I continued to preach. And about two hours later of preaching, we were still going. And all of a sudden, something was... <laughs> but after continuing preaching, I, uh, I saw this thing happening in his mind. He was wrestling with something in his mind. All of a sudden, I could see the conviction of the Spirit of God coming upon him. And so, after we were calling it a night, I went to go back up into my house. And as I was going back to my house, I looked back and he was standing there, still wrestling in his mind from what we were talking about. And I said, are you okay? What's going on? And he comes up to me and pulls out a marijuana card and says, I want you to take this and I want you to rip it up and I want you to throw it in the garbage. And from that moment, I never even knew that he had a marijuana card, but something was happening that he needed to repent. He needed to turn from his sin. And so he gave me that card. I ripped it up and went upstairs. And then I looked and I, in my head, I'm like, I'm not going to leave him like this. I got to go back. And so I chased him down, called him. He picked me up. And, 
and, I, and so we went to the house and he threw away all the stuff that needed to be thrown away. But through the preaching of the word, all of a sudden, faith was coming into his heart. Something was happening to his whole entire innermost being and it caused action. It caused action. And so James chapter 1, verse 18, you don't need to turn there. It says, Of his own will he begot us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. And so if we go back to 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. We looked at this verse earlier of Anaganao, and it is here said in verse 23 of 1 Peter, of 1 Peter being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. So not only are we born again, but when we are born again, born again, it is not an incorrupt or it is not a corruptible seed, but this seed which is produced within us by the Spirit of God and the Word of God is incorruptible. It cannot be destroyed, which lives and abides forever. And so you don't need to turn there again. Just a short verse in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, it says. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. And so when this happens, all of a sudden repentance from the heart takes place, and he can no longer continue to live in sin. It's not that he can never sin again, for all of us as Christians know that we fall, but we get back up. But when we are born again, this seed and this this thing, this change in us, allows us not to continue in sin as a habitual lifestyle. It is our life. We can't continue in these things after we have the seed of God put within us. And so look over in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And here we're going to look at the power of the Word of God. The power of the Word of God. Genesis chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Genesis chapter 1, 2 through 4. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And so here we see the Spirit moving upon the waters, the face of the waters, and what caused this effect, the Word of God. Let there be light, and it was through the Spirit it also initiated the creation of the world. And we see the Word of God and the Spirit working together. And so now, we see that this water in which we are born of is figuratively the Word of God being in use. And so now we must take a look at being born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. Go to Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. Here Paul says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Renewing of the Holy Ghost. And so, say that there's a house and it hasn't been lived in in a while. It's got holes in the floor, holes in, in the walls, holes in the ceiling. This house needs a renovation. And so, 
When you begin to renovate a house, you begin to take the old things out and begin to make it filled with new things which would make it habitable for you to live in. And so here the Holy Spirit, it says that we are being renewed of the Holy Ghost. And so it is by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. And it's as if the Holy Spirit is beginning a renovation within ourselves, taking the old things away and making it habitable for the holy temple of God himself. And so once this inward work of regeneration happens, what does the word of God say that we are? Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here is what we are after this miraculous and inspiring change happens to us through the grace and mercy of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul here says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so when you are born again, you are a new creature in Christ. Old things are gone. There is something in you which is changed. And the world will see this change. Here's a quote from Arthur Pink. And the one who has been born again, there is no change of heart, though there is a change of life, both inward and outward. The one who is born again now loves the things he once hated and hates now the things he once loved. In consequence, his whole line of conduct is radically affected. But nevertheless, it remains true that his old heart, which is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, remains in him, unchanged to the end. What then is the new birth? We answer, it is not the removal of anything from the sinner, nor the changing of anything within the sinner. Instead, it is the communication of something to the sinner. The new birth is the impartation of the new nature. When I was born the first time, I received from my parents their nature. So when I was born again, I received from God His nature. The Spirit of God begets within us a spiritual nature. As we read in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding and great precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. And so... Now that we see that we have been born again by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God and we are changed, a new creature in Christ, what does this bring us to? It brings us to something amazing. And First Peter says we have been begotten again unto what? A lively hope. Unto a lively hope. But how? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so the question is, what is hope? What is hope? Hope is... Hope is or in Romans chapter 8, verse 24, it says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? And so hope is something that we are looking forward to. It is not seen. It has not occurred yet. It's the future. But what is a dead hope? What is a dead hope? Please or turn to James chapter 4, verse 13. James chapter 4, verse 13. What is a false hope? A dead hope. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 14 says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanish away. And so here we see that these men, or he's giving an illustration of 
of men planning to go get gain, going to the city, doing all these things in the years ahead. But, it, but what is your life? It is but a vapor. We have no idea what tomorrow will bring. And so there is a hope in which is based in nothing. There's no substance. There's no eternity in that hope. It is something we look forward to, but there is no surety in what that is. No surety. And so to have an expectation of something that will come to pass, which le or so to have an ex an ex a false hope is to have an expectation which will come to pass where we leave out God, His promises, and we leave out His will. We leave out His will. There's no acknowledgement of the true reality of the things in this hope. The root of it is dead, and there's no substance. It is presumption, rooted in presumption. This is the hope we all have when we are born, or before we are born again. We all look, for example, my, my presumptuous hope, I was trying to become famous, or I guess pro in playing video games in Call of Duty. My friend, there was no eternal hope in that. There was no substance. There was no satisfaction. There was no guarantee in it. I was living for something that would end and was temporary, and it was a dead hope. And so what is a living hope? What is a living hope? Please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. Verse 18 says, While we look not at things which are seen, but at, the, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not, or the things which are not seen are, are eternal. And so this hope is looking for things which are eternal. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. And so there is an evidence, there is a substance to this hope. And so what is the reason for this hope? What is the reason for this hope? Well, here in the whole book of 1 Peter, Peter is beginning to address the sojourners, the strangers which are scattered. And he is reminding them of the persecutions, the tribulations, and all the things which could come to them. But if they have this hope, there, was, there will be meaning, there will be joy and purpose and vision. But without this hope, they will be lost. There will, there will be no vision, no, no things in which will drive them to keep continuing through the persecution. And so this hope we have is for our endurance and perseverance. And so here we see this hope is from and by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so please join to, or join with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 13. Peter here says, or Paul here says, But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. And your faith is also vain, in vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up. If so be that Jesus, or if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. 
ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. The firstfruits of them that slept. And so Christ here through the resurrection it has brought forth the certainty of what he said was true and that we will be able to walk by his word. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, in verse 13, it says, But I would not have you be to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. And so because of this resurrection, there is a first fruits which is given to Christ when he rises from the dead. And he says not to sorrow as others sorrow because they have not this hope. There is no hope unless they are found in Christ. And so, what is this hope in? It is in the surety of the Word of God and belief of the Word of God. But listen here to verse 4. To an inheritance, or 1 Peter, verse 4. 1 Peter, verse 4. It says, We are to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Reserved in heaven for you. And so the second aspect of our living hope is our heavenly portion. Our heavenly portion. And so here we see three attributes of our heavenly possession. First, incorruptible. And incorruptible defined as imperishable or undecaying in essence or continuance. Not incorruptible, but it's immortal. It is immortal, everlasting. And here next we see the word undefiled. And undefiled means to be pure, pure from all sin, full of righteousness. There's no defilement and there's no germ of it that can ever enter into heaven. And fadeth not away is the third attribute. Never withering, disappointing, becoming old and worn. It is never withering, it's never disappointing, and it's never becoming old and worn. And so we see this world, we see the nations, we see all these things in the world, and we see that nations rise and nations fall. Things are not permanent. But here today I tell you that this inheritance, this heavenly portion which we shall receive, it is eternal, and it will not fade away. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24-25, through it says, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. And so, there is an internal thing happening here. But since this, this inheritance is un incorruptible, undefiled, and fades not away, shouldn't we also become incorruptible, undefiled, and fade not away? How does this process happen? What is going on? We must receive these attributes also. And so if we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we see what takes place for us to become habitable in this inheritance, which is marvelous and glorious. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50 through 54. Now this I say, brethren, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. 
We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. And here we see it is at the fulfillment when Jesus Christ comes back that the resurrection comes that we will be made like him and glorified in our new bodies. And so we see these three attributes. But notice here at the end of verse 4, it says, It is also this inheritance is reserved in heaven for you. Reserved in heaven for you. And so when you make a reservation at a restaurant and you Why do we make those reservations? Well, we have a desire to go eat at that restaurant, and we don't want to miss our place. We want to have a place prepared that when the rush comes, we are not missing out and having to go leave and find a restaurant that we don't want to eat at. And so here, this inheritance is being reserved, kept, protected, overguarded by the Lord for us, that no man can take it away. And so please join me in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and here we will take a look at the work of God while he reserves this inheritance for us. The work of God. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Jesus here is saying, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And so here we see Christ is saying, In my Father's house are many mansions. And and His Father's house is the heavenly kingdom, is the heavenly realm. And there are many mansions. And this word mansions can mean dwelling places. And so Christ is preparing a place for us, a dwelling place, reserving it for us. But now we see here in verse 5 of 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And so now we see the third aspect of our living hope. It is our preservation unto salvation. And so first we see the reservation of the kingdom of God for us, the preservation, the keeping by God himself. But now also we see the preservation of ourselves in this world as we are living unto the kingdom of God, unto this inheritance. And so we are kept by the power of God. And so what does it mean to be kept by the power of God through faith? In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14, it says, In whom ye have also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed, You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. And so we have been changed and we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit and we are sealed until the day of redemption, the day in which we shall be fully delivered, not only spiritually, but also physically, physically in new bodies. And in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 
Paul says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So if he has begun a work, he has initiated this regeneration, the washing of the Holy Spirit, and you are born again, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, and that we will be preserved. But first we must ask ourselves, has that work taken place in our hearts, in our lives? Are we changed? Do we love Christ? Do we want to know him more? And so John chapter 10, verse 27 through 29 Jesus here says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And so here we see the eternal security of the believer that no man, no angel, no thing could ever pluck us from the hand of God as we are being preserved unto this incredible, marvelous inheritance in the kingdom of heaven. And so notice here, we are being kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Ready to be revealed in the last time. And so here we see salvation's manifestation salvation's manifestation. And so what does the text mean when it says that our salvation will be revealed in the last time? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, Peter writes, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so the last time is pointing to something, and here we see that at the end, and in verse 13 of 1 Peter, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so what is the grace which is to be brought unto us at the revelation of Jesus Christ? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, it says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And so not only is the end Christ appearing to come forth and to redeem the world, but he is also going to come forth with us. And so here we can see in Revelation chapter 9 a picture of what this is, this great and terrible day of the Lord. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And this was a re- representation of the redeeming work of Jesus Christ on the cross these white fine linens and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords And so this thing which is to be revealed in the last of time is the Lord Jesus Christ coming back to set forth his kingdom, the millennium, a thousand year reign, that all of us will be with him, brought with him 
in that time. And so that will be revealed in the last time. And we are being kept until that day. And so what is the conclusion of all these things? What shall we then say to these things? Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 through 39 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect. It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the, from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written... For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, and all neither death, nay, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so, my friends, are you found today in the Lord? For He is the only one who can bring us into that eternal inheritance. The only one. Please come to the Father with me in prayer. Oh, Father God, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the riches of the things in which You have given to us through Your Son, Jesus. O oh, Father, grow us in this truth. Set our hope on this inheritance and the glory in which we shall receive, that we will be made like you, that we will be joint heirs with your Son. But who are we, O oh God, to receive such a gift? It is by your grace and mercy. O oh, Father, grow us in this hope and send us out as with an increasingly living expectation to share this with others. In Jesus' name. Amen.